Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It may be cold outside, but Leon Tailoring keep you nice and warm without burning a hole in your pocket. That's right, if you need a nice new coat or maybe need a sweater or a heavier jacket or a heavier blouse, no matter what it is, Leon Tailoring, Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy can take care of you this winter season. So, like I said, it's the Midwest, it's cold outside, but Leon Tailoring always keep you nice and warm and comfortable, and once again, without burning holes in any of your pockets. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. I know they'd be happy to see you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown. Indianapolis. Good afternoon and Happy New Year. Welcome to MSD Warren Township in Park Elementary, or as affectionately we like to call ourselves the pride of the East Side. <laughs> I'm Dr. Tim Hansen, proud superintendent of Warren Township, and we are excited to be a part of Governor Holcomb's agenda announcement today. I would like to recognize Jason Brooks, who's the principal here at Liberty Park. Thank you for hosting us today. I also want to thank our, our board president, Ms. Williams, and our board for their support today. I'm excited and, and it's my pleasure to introduce um, Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch, who will lead our festivities this morning. Well, good afternoon and thank you to Liv Lincoln or Liberty, Lincoln Park Elementary, Liberty Park Elementary School, and thank you, Dr. Hansen, for hosting us. And, it's great to be here. And as you all know, as Lieutenant Governor, I serve, one of my duties is uh, constitutionally, I'm President of the Senate. So next Monday, we'll be going into session. And when we go into session every year, we ask ourselves, what is it that we can do that will make life better for Hoosier families and businesses? And we know that the next chapter in Indiana's history will be about quality of life. And why is that important? It's how we attract talent and how we grow our population. It used to be that people followed businesses, but today businesses are following people. And people are choosing to live where they enjoy that quality of life. And the governor is going to be touching upon those agenda items that really elevate the quality of life in Indiana, and I'd like to just touch briefly upon four that I either chair as an initiatives or it, through my agencies. First is the Next Level Initiative, where we look at attracting men and women who are transitioning out of the military to Indiana, match them up with employers, and integrate them into our communities. And to date, that initiative it's had an $18 million impact on our economy. The Indiana Destination Development Corporation, chaired by Elaine Beadle, uh, it was created by the General Assembly to be able to attract talent, to be able to welcome visitors, and to be able to keep our young people here in Indiana. And we are very humble Hoosiers, right? We work hard, we put our nose to the grindstone, and we don't pat ourselves on the back for doing that. But as a result, we don't always do a good job about telling the story of Indiana, and we have a great story to tell. And so the funding in this budget to be able to allow Indiana to compete with other states is extremely important when we look at growing our population and attracting talent. With inflation, with the war going on, with gas prices and food prices going up, it's important that Hoosiers that suffer from food insecurity, and that's one out of seven Hoosiers, 
have the resources and have food to be able to enjoy their quality of life. And so that funding for food banks and the budget is extremely important. And then broadband, you know, being able to connect is really that first step towards increasing our quality of life. And so taking 70 million that we still have and being able to add that to the 268 million that already been expended and awarded, connecting almost 70,000 Hoosiers will continue to elevate our quality of life, particularly in rural Indiana. And then the last initiative that I am very, very excited and proud of is the funding for mental health and the focus put on mental health. As you all know, the human cost of this pandemic is huge and it's gonna to continue to grow for years to come. It affects our budgets, it affects our workforce, it affects our families. One out of five Hoosiers struggles with mental illness or addiction. And we all know Hoosiers that have faced those challenges, sometimes our own family members. And my family's no exception. My mother suffered from depression. My sister Nancy died by suicide. And we buried my brother Larry this November. He was an alcoholic. That emphasis and that support for mental health is extremely critical for the quality of life that we all want to enjoy. And so those are just a few of the things that are in this incredible budget that has been put forth by the governor, and in my opinion, the greatest governor in the United States. Please help me welcome Governor Eric Holcomb. We got a lot to go over. You all have been sitting there like you've been in timeout. Um, it is a very uh, comprehensive budget. And I first want to, before I get into the details, thank the superintendent and the principal and all of you. Much of the cabinet is here present with us. Um, thank you, Suzanne, as, as always. Good afternoon to everyone that's joining us, whether you're at work or at home streaming uh, live, playing through with us. Um, everything this administration does, and you'll see on the slide though, through a gear toward um, focus or one vision or one executing a mission. It's really putting into action what our agenda is all about. And that one thing is making sure that we're providing more pathways for an individual, for the individual Hoosier, for a business, for a community to take it to their um, next level. That's obviously all centered on our budget that reflects our state's priorities each and every year when we come together, sometimes in those odd years as well, uh, allocating dollars toward what we think is, uh, when time is of the essence, what is important to address. And so we have a long-term vision, obviously, in the state of Indiana, but we're making tactical strategic moves every year along the way. That budget that we put together um, is gonna reflect not just our priorities, but it's gonna also center on kind of four key pillars, those being economic development, those being um, uh, educational and workforce development, um, uh, public health and wellness development, and of course, community development, which the Lieutenant Governor just touched on a number of those items, all built on this foundation of good government, good government service, 
um, being responsive, uh, adapting, being nimble in Indiana to the need of the day, come what may. And we've seen a lot of come what may for the last few years. It's interesting when I came in and I see all over the school core, um, this could almost represent our administration's approach as well, being um, civility and order and respect, always striving for excellence. So it just kind of hand glove that foundation that we're um, all centered on is important to each and every one of the almost 28,000 state employees that are working for every single citizen and taxpayer in our state. So I'm going to jump right at it and get right to um, our budget uh, and the priorities of our budget. This will be our 10th as a state, our 10th straight, honestly uh, balanced budget. It will, again, as I said, fund our key administration's um, priorities. When you stop and think about where we were in terms of revenue um, some years ago, whether it be 2005 or 2017, where we are today, we've grown significantly year after year. The budget that we will um, put together only fund these priorities, but it will also leave a healthy reserve. Both in the next two years, we'll be leaving as a reserve as it is now, north of 14%. So we still will have north of 300 plus million dollars, understanding that the legislature has their own priorities too, that we're working on with them. So not everything that I'll kind of touch on, kind of thumbnail sketch of our agenda um, is included in what we'll learn tomorrow when we submit our actual budget at 10 a.m. And then obviously I'll provide some more details, maybe prizes at the State of the State on next Tuesday at 7 p.m. if you're at home. Um, and so, again, this is built on this, what we've become known for, certainty and predictability, um, um, continuity, and that's what makes, that's kind of Indiana's advantage and Indiana's edge, and people can predict this is a good place um, to invest. In addition, we've got a couple other items that we're going to be addressing as we have in the recent years, that being um, making sure that we continue to pay down our obligation to the pre-96 fund. We'll put another billion dollars toward closing the gap. It used to be, Senator Kimley, yeah, uh, you know, we were, this was 2060 when we had planned kind of get in line with them. Now we've brought that up about 30, 31 years to its 29, this latest uh, installment. So a significant amount of progress has been made. We're also not losing track of some of the project have underway currently, mega projects, major projects, like uh, the archives building, like the um, co-location of the new deaf and blind schools, like Westville, high ticket items that we wanna make sure we continue to make progress on. So we're setting aside in fiscal year 2023, so soon uh, 1.25 billion to make sure those projects all over the state um, remain uh, in motion. Once we get past laying out the complete budget, then we get to how do we keep the economic engine humming or growing? Obviously the pie is growing, that's by design, uh, not luck. And the, the way that we're gonna continue to kind of keep our foot on the gas is making sure we're doing even more than we are today and making things permanent, modernizing all the 
tools that the Indiana Economic Development Corporation needs to go out and win the type of business that we want to associate ourselves with. So we'll be um, seeking to uh, establish a $300 million a year um, deal closing fund. We'll be seeking to establish a $300 million a year tax credit fund or a tax credit cap. Uh, providing that flexibility for the IEDC to go out there and get the deals that we want. We'll be looking at a $150 million revolving um, fund for, for site acquisition. We've made some um, historic announcements recently. We want to do more of those, obviously. And then we'll formalize through language. This is a good problem to have, but if we go through that funding, we want to go back to the legislature and seek additional appropriations to make sure we keep the momentum uh, going. We're competing against states uh, that are equally nimble. And it, it, it's coming down to a, kind of the same six or seven usual suspects that are elbowing one another uh, out there on the court to get the businesses that we want, these high wage, high demand jobs. And to have this tool in our toolbox will, I think, be could be the X factor, quite frankly. And then we'll continue to, as, as we have been at the IEDC, at the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, continue to fund entrepreneurship and innovation and marketing to, again, their audience, the, the business leaders in the state of Indiana, around the country, and, and internationally. And when you look at the percentage of business deals that we're doing here at home and abroad, uh, it is significant. And we think there's a lot more room in the coming next two years in that window to nail down a lot of businesses, but we have to have the resources to do that. And then I don't want to lost another wildly popular program being the, you know, the number one manufacturing state in the country per capita. We want to double the funding for our manufacturing modernization grants that are out there right now to the tune of 40 million over the biennium. This is, this is one of those tools that helps those small and medium sized businesses remain nimble and adapt to the changing times and keep their workforces and their payrolls uh, intact and modernize along the way. For our economy, see my, the workforce, cabinet, DWD, uh, for our economy to continue to grow, obviously their fuel is that workforce that I just um, mentioned for us to reach that full potential. We've got to make sure that Hoosiers are skilled up and, and ready for the jobs that, that we're bringing to state of Indiana, especially when it comes to those jobs that you've seen recently that we're attracting those high demand jobs. So we'll focus on a number of um, workforce uh, development initiatives uh, along the way from regarding every single, no matter how young you are, to however old you are, uh, whatever your profile is, we're going to be focused on you. Um, from a very early age, from early childhood, K through 12, through um, post-secondary higher education, and then in those adult learning programs that sometimes they're the X factor themselves in terms of getting someone off the sideline back into the workforce, or if you're unemployed, how do you move up that, that ladder uh, in the workforce? And so just very quickly um, I'll dive into the early childhood portion of the of the four we'll seek to uh, establish a 25 million dollar um, innovation grant with federal funds on this front 
um, that will help us provide, again, funding and support for employers. Think about on-site child care programs, chamber of commerce programs. We know we need more of it closer to get folks back into the sidelines. And we want to make sure those are um, um, quality and, and the capacity is there, but also the quality uh, is there and close. We'll work to reduce responsibly um, the regulatory burdens that are preventing um, workforce from entering into that profession. There's some things that we can do, so we're going to take a real hard look at how do we attract work uh, into, that, into that profession. Could be younger, could be on-site training, name it. There's a number of ideas that we have that we want to put into motion to attract more uh, professionals into that uh, occupation. We'll look to expand access to um, the child care and, and development fund and also the and on the on my way for K program um, by raising the eligibility criteria to allow we identified another 5,000 um, Hoosier families that would be able to uh, qualify for that program. Currently, there are about 44,000 in the CCF and there uh, are another um, about 6,000 in the On My Way Pre-K. Uh, and so we think there could be another potentially, as I said, 5,000 more join that 50,000 just by having those um, options available to Hoosiers. Then we move uh, on up to K through 12. We will be uh, promoting what, what we've identified as the single biggest dollar amount increase in K through 12, 6% a year and 2% in the second year. That equates to a, um, right at 1.157 billion in an increase um, over the biennium. Um, significant to say the least. We'll also be looking to something that I've wanted to get at for some time now, and now is the time, carpe diem, I guess you could say, and that is eliminating the textbook fees for Hoosier families. I think this is, um, to do this will be meeting the spirit of the law, quite frankly. Um, we're only one of seven states, think of those as competitors that don't um, currently mandate this. Um, and those are, those are our competitors, just make no miss out it. Texas, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, these are folks who take pride in actually paying uh, for those textbooks in that curriculum, and we can join that. We have the financial wherewithal to do this, and I'll just quote the law. Um, Article 8, Section 1 says, there is a duty to provide by law for a general and uniform system of common schools wherein tuition shall be without charge equally um, open to all. And I don't think it could be any clearer than that. So the next question is, do we have the ability to do it? Obviously, in the budget that we'll submit uh, tomorrow, you'll see we do have the financial wherewithal to get that done. It's about $160 million a year. It's important to keep in this into context. We currently have, if, if you're eligible, about $39 million that we pay for already. Um, and so we're wanting to expand that to all. Um, and if you think about if you're eligible, someone else is paying that for you. So it's almost double taxation for some uh, for some groups. So this would be paying for those the textbook fees uh, and the correct uh, for all traditional public and charter schools, as well as students who qualify 
um, um, for free and, and reduced lunch at non-public schools as well. We also are going to continue. This is just Superintendent, and thank you um, to the perfect location, the perfect backdrop as we continue to kind of lean into some of our, um, shall I say, literacy deficiencies or the work that we have yet um, to do. We're at about 81, well, exactly 81.6% uh, right now at the third grade proficiency level. We want to increase that to 95 and by 2027. And to do that, we've got to continue, not just probably double down, but triple down. <laughs> Um, on this front, making sure those kids are um, reading at that level uh, in, the, in the third grade. And so we'll continue to um, uh, focus on the science of reading, making sure that the Indiana uh, classrooms like here in your corporation, but here at Liberty Park uh, are taking uh, advantage of the partnerships that because of the endowment, quite frankly, mass um, investment on this front and then we'll go uh, back to the legislature and ask for another 10 million to get a, another match uh, for the Lilly Endowment and keep pushing on this at the very earliest of ages um, and we'll look for some other creative ways to um, create a new incentive program to reward schools and teachers who are improving who are moving that I read three needle and then one that um, is occurring right now, kind of almost in a hodgepodge uh, manner around the state, certainly around the country, um, we'll seek to launch the Dolly Parton Imagination Library statewide, much more methodically to provide books to um, children at home. It has their name on it, they get mailed their home, um, just to encourage parents to be reading to kids. I mean, I often talk to teachers who say if a parent would just simply read to their newborn through, you know, age five for 20 minutes a day, what a difference it would make once they get to school. And so we want to do things that can uh, encourage um, that type of that type of action. And then uh, we'll have the DOE continue um, to take a deep dive, ensuring that high quality STEM, uh, the STEM curriculum is is available in schools. And so they'll uh, evaluate and they'll publish and approve um, the STEM quality curriculums that so many of our schools are offering and, and are so critical in different pockets of our state uh, to get folks on the right pathway to, to their, have their ticket to success in their hand when they leave high school, if they choose to go right into a career, if they choose to go on to higher education. And then I want to um, restore our JAG funding. Uh, this is this is going from about 6.8 million a year to 8 million. It took a hit during the pandemic years, but this is this is for schools who want to. They're not they're not mandated, but schools that want to offer JAG the program to to get students uh, associated with and connected to potential careers once they get out of high school if they're not planning on going uh, into higher education. And then we get uh, into adult learning, kind of the, the fourth uh, layer of, of our workforce development um, programs um, and, and post-secondary even, even before that. Uh, when you think about um, the needs that are out there today, it's not just the need more GEDs or more certificates or more credentials. We need more degrees. We need more masters. We need more PhDs. We need. It's, it's not either or. 
it's all the above. And so we'll be seeking um, uh, from the legislature to increase higher education, their budgets by 6% also in the first year and 2% also in the second year. This is a 184 million, 3 billion over the, over the biennium. And then we'll be looking to um, the commissioner uh, at CHE, at the Commission for Higher Education, for um, already has some eyes out there. We'll be looking to, to support them, but performance funding focused on keeping the students that are coming to our state uh, here in our state um, uh, through, a, through, a formula, through the formula and using it to, to make sure that our campuses are truly these um, pockets of brain gain, not brain drain. We're, we're really good on attracting students from the world to come here. We want to make sure that they're discovering their next adventure right here in Indiana and not somewhere, um, somewhere else. We'll seek to follow up on a recommendation to automatically enroll um, all eligible students in the 21st Century Scholarship um, Program. And then um, we'll also seek to do something different um, here in the state of Indiana. It's a kind of a personal um, source of pride that we have Martin backyard, Martin University in our backyard. Uh, this is Indiana's only predominantly black institution. Uh, we'll be seeking about a $10 million infusion into Martin to where they can help deliver on um, um, building direct pipelines with with a, a population that is not just vulnerable, but in highly in need of having that ticket to their success. And so when you talk about, we do a lot of P3s in the state of Indiana very successfully. This is a P3 um, that's a little bit out of the box and one that I think can change the trajectory of not just, again, ACOM, but our state. We can be a real um, leader on this front for so many first generation um, college and low-income uh, minority students, and we can kind of show the way. And very pleased to to be working with Kara and with Dr. Um, Huddleston on this front to kind of do something new, and um, and show that it actually can be done. And then we get to, as I alluded to, um, the phase, uh, the the adult learning stuff into where DWD really becomes kind of central. Um, to, to someone's maybe last chance or a different chance to do something. And we'll be looking to, to build on what's working on this front, addressing um, issues where there are wait times um, through various programs. The DWD often serves as its front door to both the employee or the potential employee and the employer. And so where we have a need uh, like with Excel centers, with, with the partnership with Goodwill across the state where there's more of a need where we already have an Excel center, we want to do more. And so we'll be expanding them. And where there's not one, maybe in Evansville or a different city uh, that wants one, we'll be looking to help fund that. We'll be looking to increase funding uh, for the online graduation uh, alliance so adults can earn their diploma and their credentials um, online. It's been effective. We can do more on this front. We'll be looking to increase in general uh, the adult education programs and that's because we know there are um, there are line wait times for folks who are wanting to get into programs. We'll look to uh, increase funding for the uh, for the um, 
uh, workforce ready grant, maintain funding for the employer training grant, pilot a program to incentivize um, um, unemployment insurance recipients to obtain their high school degree uh, or diploma. We'll look to fund again some of those um, governor's workforce cabinet recommendations, uh, making sure we get those underway. And then as Lieutenant Governor Crouch mentioned, uh, our invest program will be looking to boost um, their funding as well. It's just like Uncle Sam, we want these veterans from all over the country. Matter of fact, we need these veterans from all over the country to come to the state of Indiana because we do have um, opportunity um, for them to take part in. And then we'll move to one that's not been easy, um, but one that is central to it all. Health is wealth and it has to be discussed in the same context. Um, I mentioned the need for more um, credentials and certificates and um, degrees and diplomas. We also need to get healthier as a state. There's just um, no two ways about it. I won't go through all the rankings today. I'll save that for another day. Um, we could. Um, you've seen those before, I imagine, um, but suffice it to say that we're going to have to do something different if we want a different outcome. I'm not a believer uh, that these outcomes are inevitable or they need to be, but it will require everyone, including us, this administration, to do some things um, differently, uh, have the financial wherewithal to hit this head on, and we've had um, the Public Health Committee, again, Senator, former Senator Luke Kenley with us, um, Dr. Judy Monroe, Dr. Vox, of course, Paul Halverson, Bob Courtney. We've had a mix of county, do a year-long deep dive and really um, look at a public health system that's been in, in place for over a century and and approach it like if we were to build it today, what would we do if we wanted a different outcome? And discovered, obviously, that yes, resources are needed. Yes, more partnership is needed. Yes, sharing of expertise and data is needed, all of the above. And I'll cut to the chase. It's going to take dollars uh, to affect that positive change or impact or effect. We think it'll take at least uh, 120 million in the first year and about 220 million in the second year as we build the structure, the new structure, um, uh, and put it into place and get it underway. It's important to note, as shown on the slide up here, that the first year, 100 million of that 120 goes to the locals, goes to on the street, goes to that side of the partnership. And 200 million in that second year, the 227, is going to the locals. So we're building it from the ground up where the action is occurring in the districts. Um, and we think that this is going to be a way in the planning, in the building of the structure, uh, in the participation. Locals having skin in the game too. This is 80 20. This is working in a number of areas across our administration uh, that we can, in fact, start improving on our health outcomes. And then something I'm equally in, um, passionate about, Dr. Box certainly, um, Dr. Zeniak, everyone that's come together uh, in terms of building out our uh, My Healthy Baby program. We're at 82 counties right now, we got 10 to go. Can't get there soon enough, but it will happen. 
uh, in, in 2023. And then as the Lieutenant Governor also um, mentioned areas here that you alluded to that we can't retreat on either fronts, one being mental health. Um, we'll look to continue to expand 988. Um, we know that folks need not just a place to call but a, or a place to go, but someone to actually be working with them, the right person actually to be working with them. We had about, since July, about 15,000, so it's gone up since the last couple of weeks, uh, into 988, so we know there's a need there. We're going to have to put some dollars behind beef in that. We're going to look to expand our local crisis stabilization um, units. We'll be looking to continue transitioning to the to the certified um, community behavioral health clinics in the counties um, that so folks know there's a place close to get the actual kind of care that they need. And then we'll um, continue to look at ways and, and support more funding um, for our local partners to not just address, but to ultimately reduce veteran suicides. We know that veteran suicides are about twice the rate of the um, population as a whole and grants uh, they're given to organizations that are again in the community have proven to be sex successful and we want to be a, a leader on that front here in indiana this podcast was produced and edited by chris spangle and leaders and legends llc if you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level please contact us at leadersandlegends.net